0: Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com.
1: All right, so let's get on with the Word. Uh, We're going to dive into a new series this morning that we're calling Beyond Small Talk. Uh, Where One of the things I love so much about Jesus is that he had this habit of pulling people aside, and and when he would get people one-on-one, he uh, had this amazing ability to kind of cut through small talk and get to the heart of where people really were. And, and often in some uncomfortable ways, as we're going to see here in just a second. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about uh, the, the heart of worship. Getting, you know, He has a conversation with a woman at a well that we're going to read about here in just a second, and he really dives into what worship is all about in this passage. It's John chapter 4. By the way, uh, I'm not going to have the words up here uh, on, on the screen, so if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we'll get an usher to get a Bible to you right now. John chapter 4. i got some hands up here if somebody would go grab Bibles and Pass them out, that'd be good. So uh, keep your hand up, they'll get a Bible to you. <clears throat> so, John chapter 4 is where we're going. Now, worship, I'm a big fan of worship. Any other fans of worship out there? Like, I love worship. I love, and now, a lot of times when we think about worship, we think about music, and, and there's way more to worship than just music. Uh, worship is a lifestyle. We, we say that a lot at this church. Worship is a, a lifestyle, not just a song. And so, uh, when we're talking about worship, like, I, I love it so much. Like, if you look on my phone, Uh, under the music, you're going to find a handful of, of bands, you know, uh, that I really enjoy listening to, uh, that honestly aren't even Christian bands really, you know, technically, but, um, but you're going to find a load of worship music. I just love worship music. And there's something about like, I love anybody else love worshiping in the car, love worshiping in my car. Like there are times I am driving down the road in my car and just, you know, I'm listening to that music and, and a phrase will just hook into my heart. And I am just broken in the car all of a sudden. It's just like the Holy Spirit just kind of washes over me like a wave and I am like ruined. You know, I start, I'm just like weeping almost. And, 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 uh, you know, people are driving by wondering who just died in my life, I think. But it's a, it's a, you know, I just, I love worshiping and there's something about doing the car. I don't know. It's, it's good stuff. But um, now, oh, by the way, does anybody do this? (laughs) Does anybody do this when you're with your family in the car and you're worshiping in the car and they start getting loud and you're worshiping, you're praising God, and then all of a sudden you're like, we've all shut up! And then you're back to worshiping again. Anybody do that? I do that sometimes. So, anyway, there's a big disconnect between my worship and my communication skills sometimes. Um, Anyway, so I, um, yeah, when it comes to worship, um, it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal to us. Uh, in fact, did you guys hear there's a, a brand new worship center? I just saw this in the news the other day. Brand new worship center being built in Sacramento. Price tag $477 million for a new worship center. Now, you may hear that and think that is extravagant and over the top, you know, to spend that kind of money. On. And then you may be thinking, who in the world has that? even has that kind of bank? It must be the Catholics or the Baptists or somebody. Um, It's actually the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings are going to be building a $477 million arena where every night they gather together, thousands of people will begin to worship. Thousands of people will begin to worship. Whether you think you like worship or not, you do. Worship and praise is hardwired into our DNA by God. And it's just a matter of how and who you are worshiping. You are either worshiping Jesus Christ in an authentic way, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, or your worship is misdirected. And and what happens when your worship is misdirected, and let's say your worship is directed at a sports team, or your worship is directed at your career, or your worship is directed at your kids, uh, or your worship is directed at you know, your status in the community or, or whatever, or your bank account. When you misdirect your worship, it comes back to you with a very empty feeling. It's like the, it's like Chinese food, right? <laughs> Satisfying at first, not so much later. Right? So now here, here here's the thing about, about when we misdirect that worship it's not fulfilling. It's, it provides, now, don't get me wrong, by the way, I'm not bagging on sports or kids or anything like that. I love sports. Love, 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 love sports, right? I mean, it's very, like, I love just chilling, you know, watching my A's or, you know, fall. I just love that stuff, right? Uh, But that's not where my worship is directed. It's not where my worship is directed. Now, and, and by the way, you don't define this by who you're singing to, Okay, uh, we worship in a whole lot of different ways. Where are your? Where is your tension? Where is your joy? Where is your money going? Where you know all these all these different things kind of contribute to who it is that you're worshiping. Where's your passion? And when it comes to those things, uh, my worship is directed at Jesus Christ. And for the true follower of Jesus Christ, the the disciple who is. Fully invested in their faith, fully invested in that relationship with Jesus, your worship is is going to be directed there. Now, there there are things in this life that are constantly competing for our worship, constantly. Well, we we, we hit a few of them just just a second ago. And when we're talking about authentic worship, th- this is what I know. Even though you you might consider yourself um, a Christian, a disciple. Um. I want you to just take some inventory. I think it's really healthy to do this once in a while. Just kind of take a personal inventory, because there's a chance that even though you think your worship is directed in the right place, it might be misdirected. And we're going to we're going to talk about this. there are certain barriers to worship that can come up, and all these came up in, in Jesus' conversation with this woman at the well. So turn over to John chapter four. <clears throat> right after John chapter 3. That was dry humor. Okay. All right, so John chapter 4. Now, Jesus uh, has this conversation with this woman, which is scandalous. Uh, Guys didn't go up to random women and have conversations with with them back in the day. And he does it at a well uh, because this is where people would gather to go get their water. They'd carry it back to their homes for washing and cleaning, you know, cooking and drinking and that sort of thing, um, and so it was very common to go to the well to draw water, and other people would be there <coughs> congregating around there. This is where the, you know, community gossip would take place, and the, how's little Johnny doing, you know, all that kind of stuff, and did you hear about so-and-so, all, you know, all that stuff would take place at the well, and it was usually women that would go and draw the water normally, and so Jesus is traveling through and is thirsty. Sees this well. His disciples go into town to get some food. He stops at the well to get some water. And uh, now we don't really have a a direct comparison to this because we don't draw our waters at our, our water at wells. Uh, but it was I think it was Mark Batterson that said coffee shops are postmodern wells. Coffee shops—it's it, the place where we gather. It's the place where we, we we talk and we visit and that sort of thing. and and, and so. It was that kind of environment. I mean, it was, you know, the Starbucks of the day that Jesus goes to draw some water and he meets this woman there. So uh, chapter four, start with verse one. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria... So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, and near the the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, uh, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. (coughs) Pardon me. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, Uh, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to you, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus is cold-blooded. That is, that is harsh. I'm just going to say it right on now That is harsh. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. No doubt. 20, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So, so she, she does this kind of cunning thing where, uh, you know, Jesus just called her out, like just, just laid her out. Like, you know, yeah, you're not only a sinner, you're a big one. And this is exactly what that looks like. And, and now that she's been outed in her sin, uh, she decides to get in. She's like, I'm going to misdirect the conversation. We're going to argue theology for a little bit. And so she brings up this issue of where the proper place to worship is, right? And so uh, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 27. Just when his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. They went out of the town and were coming to him. So this whole... uh, concept. You know, he has this conversation with his woman, and like I said, man, he gets, he busts through the small talk. He gets through the heart to the things, even in what might seem to us a very abrasive way. But he lays open not only this woman's heart, but the issues she had around this concept of worship, and he deals with uh, what I think are are three kind of common barriers that we still have when it comes to worship. The first barrier is is this— uh, going to the wrong wells, going to the wrong wells. That there, like, like Jesus said, there's a well that offers living water, uh, water where you're never thirst again. That only comes from Jesus Christ Himself, and we make the mistake of of looking for our fulfillment, our worship, even in other wells. You know, one wrong well that we sometimes go to is the well of money and comfort. Money and comfort. We 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 have this feeling that if we can if we can just accumulate enough money or enough stuff, then we'll somehow be fulfilled. Any shopaholics in the room? Go ahead, raise your hand, loud and proud. Shopaholics. Yeah, I I, I'm 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 a recovering shopaholic. I used to be a worse one than I am now, Uh, but definitely identify with that whole thing of uh, you know constantly wishing for more stuff and then getting stuff and almost immediately feeling like i got to get something else right because once you get stuff once you get your comforts taken care of or you know whether it's a house or a car or or something on a smaller scale or whatever that may be once you do that the satisfaction that little endorphin rush you get from from buying that thing whatever that thing is is so fast so fleeting that it, it is immediately almost immediately replaced with the next thing you think you need to get. And when you go to that well, you'll eventually come back empty, come back empty. And another wrong well that we sometimes uh, go to is the well of sex and relationships. And we have this this feeling that if if I could just be in a good relationship with somebody, if my sex life was better or existent at all, then, you know, maybe things would be better. Now, I'm, not, I'm not bagging on sex and relationships. I'm a big fan of both. Big fan of both. It's good stuff. Here's the thing though. Women, you will never find a man who completes you. I don't care what Tom Cruise told you. You will never find a man who completes you. Never. I don't care if you have, if you find the sweetest guy in the world, I mean, just not an abrasive bone in his body bringing you flowers every day. There will come a day when you will take those flowers and be like, what's up with these flowers all the time? You will never find a man who completes you. Guys, you will never find a woman who completes you, ever. I don't care if you come home every day to a wife that is skimpily clad, holding a fresh steak and handing it to you. Eventually, you'll want somebody else's steak. You will never find a woman that completes you. We find our completion in Jesus Christ. We find relationships with people who can help us draw closer to Jesus Christ. But no man, no woman will ever complete you. Another wrong well that we go to sometimes is is the well of, of status or power. We love getting those attaboys or those appreciations, but the person who pats you on your back today will one day stab you in the back. And those wells come up empty as well. There's only one well that we need to be going to when it comes to our finding our fulfillment, going to for worship, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The other obstacle that we find to worship is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. This woman, I mean, like I said, Jesus just laid her out in her, with, with her sin, just brought it all out uh, in, in, uh, in an amazing way, in an amazing way. But this is what I know about a lot of us is that there are so many of us that deal with this issue of unconfessed sin. I don't care how long you've been following Christ. If you, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, it will, it will work as a barrier between you and God. A barrier between... I'm not saying you have to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about no sin. I'm talking about confessed sin. There's a big difference. And when we get in the habit of being real about who we are and being able to admit our weaknesses and deal with our weaknesses, there is strength in that kind of weakness. There is strength in that kind of weakness. You you show me somebody who is... Constantly hiding their sin because of what other people will think or because they don't want to deal with it, or because they're trying to convince themselves that it's not sin at all, it's natural and I should, whatever. You show me something that is somebody who is constantly hiding their sin, and I'll show you a person who does not really and truly understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because a person who really and truly understands the gospel of Jesus Christ has nothing to hide. Why? Because God provided through Jesus Christ a means to handle that sin. And if you are constantly trying to hide your sin, it's because you think it's up to you to handle that sin. And you'll never be able to. And you guys have heard me say over and over before that God will... He has this habit of of when you've got sin in your life, He always deals with you quietly, privately. The Holy Spirit speaks to you in your heart. And if you ignore that long enough, He will deal with you publicly. He will deal with you publicly. So get in the habit of being a person who, I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to be perfect. I just need to be aware of what my weaknesses are and have things established in my life to help me combat those weaknesses. And when you live openly like that, then God's grace does what God's grace does. And it's beautiful. The other barrier that I want to talk about quickly is the barrier of, of ignorance. We have this obstacle to worship of ignorance. Jesus said to this woman, you, know, you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know. The way this works out in our own life, this issue of ignorance, is that so often, like you read through the, you read through God's word, and even in stories like this one that we just read, like like I said, Jesus comes across a little cold blooded, you know, in, in the way he approaches this woman. You, you, you we kind of cringe at that, right? Or you read through other areas of the word and. Yeah, God's a God of love and grace, but then there's also all this, you know, vengeance and judgment and stuff like that. And we we feel like, you know, God needs our help, you know, with some, a little PR work. And we got to get in there and kind of change things or omit things or whatever and make God. And so what happens is we have this, we have this temptation to make up a God in our own image, a God that is more palatable to our culture today or whatever. And we present and we worship this incomplete false version of God and out of ignorance when you worship a God the, the God who you have made up the God that is acceptable to you instead of just the God who is you will never find freedom in your worship can I tell you there there are there are things about God that are offensive to me you guys know what I'm talking about There are things about God that are honestly offensive to my sensibilities. But he's God and I'm not. And so the problem is not with him. The problem is with me. The problem is not that he is unloving. The problem is that I have misdefined what love is. And so we make a conscious choice to worship the God who is instead of the God that I would like to make up. And when you deal with all three of these barriers, you start to move them out of the way and you approach God in your worship authentically, honestly. You begin to worship the God who is. You begin to be honest about who you are. Your worship will just break wide open. Break wide open we get to, as we're going to sing here right now, about the heart of worship. So let's sing this song, and then I'm going to come back and talk some more.
0: When the music fades All stripped away And I simply come Just to bring something that's new that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry to for It's all about you, it's all about you
1: With those obstacles, there's this beautiful thing that happens that happens in this sto- story. Jesus breaks through all those barriers in this woman's life and she sees him for who he is. She sees herself for who she is and she does this thing where she just leaves and she goes and tells everybody she knows about him and says, you've got to come see him too. And authentic worship, authentic worship, worship that is both inspired and informed attracts more worshipers. Worship that is both inspired and informed attracts more worship. Jesus said, you're going to have to worship me in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Now, the problem is that a lot of us are worshiping heavy, heavy in spirit with no regard for truth. No regard for truth. We are very emotional in our worship. Worship is all about how I feel. It's all about, you know, did I get goosebumps during the song? Did I get the chills? Did, you know, was everybody raising their hands and clapping or whatever? Very emotional worship experience. The problem with that is emotions emotions change. Emotions change. This is why some of you hop around from church to church to church to church and you don't stay still, one, because you're awful sinners, And two, because you allow your church experience to be dictated by your emotions, I'm going to tell you, you may be happy at living hope today, but there will be a day when you will be disappointed. You may think I'm a great preacher today, but there will be a day when you've heard my stories. You may think I showed up for you yesterday, but there will be a day when I let you down. And you have to power through the emotion in terms of your worship. Even in, even in terms of, of the way that you view God. There are days when, when you feel God's presence so strong it erases every possible doubt in your mind. And then there are days when like David sung about his Psalms, you're wondering where are you and why have you abandoned me? And if your worship is dictated only by emotion is weak and it will fail and on the swing side of that if if your worship is all about truth if you're the little theologian that is just all about the facts and putting God inside a box and trying to define God and everything else and and it's not uh, influenced by the spirit at all then your worship will be weak it'll be powerless it 'll be only what you can see and define and instead of God defining your theology you, you'll allow you 'll you'll, your, you'll allow your theological ideas to define god and it 's really the difference between <laughs> well when you do when you have both when you're worshipping God in spirit and in truth when you 're worshiping in a um, in an inspired fashion and an informed fashion, you become this rare creature in the Christian world. You become normal. Normal. Because instead of being the, you know, tambourine-shaken loon on this side and the, you know, bookworm, you know, soulless person on this side, you become this person who worships led by the Spirit in such a powerful way, growing in your faith, informed and, 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 and your, with your foundation in the truth of who God is and in the truth of his word. And when you can become that person, what happens is that people are drawn to God. Because people are not drawn to the tambourine-shanked loon, unless they're also loons. And people are not drawn to the nerdy bookworm defining God with no faith and no nothing over here because why would you follow that? People are drawn to somebody who can find a balance between the two who are worshiping in both spirit and in truth. Yes, I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. My faith is going to grow. My faith is going to stretch, sometimes in uncomfortable ways. But all of that is going to have its foundation in the truth of God's word, in the truth of God's word. And when that happens, without even hardly trying, you recruit worshipers. You become a disciple maker just in the witness of your worship. I've told the story before, but there was a, uh, when I was in the army, I used to attend a, um, um, what they called the gospel service. It was largely African-American service and and, uh, just, it was awesome. It was so great. And so um, my roommate in the army, I had in, he was not a church going guy. He was a, you know, Christmas and Easter Catholic. And, uh, and so I invited him to church with me one Sunday. He finally came. And, uh, and so we got in there and I mean, it was just rocking worship. I was just, the worship was just amazing. And, and the sermon just full of energy and just the power of God and everything. And so I can just remember, you know, uh, walking out of that service, you know, it was a sunny day in Washington, DC, walking out of that chapel walking back to our barracks, and Joe is smiling. I mean, from ear, I've never seen him smile so big in my life, just smiling from ear to ear. And, and he was like, I feel like the sun is shining because of what just happened in that building. That's what he told me. And worship recruits worshipers. Worship draws more worshipers. You want to see this church grow? deal with the barriers that are standing between you and God and start worshiping him in spirit and in truth in an authentic way. And we won't be able to keep them out of this room or any other room that we occupy. We won't be able to. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Once again, your word is so good to us. And I pray that you would forgive us when we make worship about anything other than you and the truth of who you are. God, continue to reveal yourself to us. Give us a greater awareness of who you are. Give us a hunger and a thirst for your word and give us a hunger to cry out to you in worship. God, help us to stop going to the wrong wells but to seek you alone. And I pray, God, that you would continue to do your work in our church and grow us into the body of worshipers that you have designed us to be. We love you. We give it all to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.